Hello and welcome to the Soundworks Collection interview series. This is Michael Coleman and today we are talking with the Boom Library sound effects team who's based in Germany. I'm in California and so when they contacted me I said I'd love to talk to you guys but we're gonna have to do it over uh, Skype and so we had a great conversation. Uh, I was joined today by Axel and Michael and Benedict from the Boom Library uh, sound effects group and uh, I was really excited about this because I always am talking with sound designers and editors and production mixers and we always talk about process and what it is to do this type of work and the thing that's unique about what the Boom Library team is doing is that it's a small group of people, it's not an individual and they're all coming from different backgrounds and they have a really good perspective of what it is that sound designers and editors are going to need to work with. What, what are those materials that people are going to want to work with when they're there trying to cut to a picture or their projects. And so uh, we had a great conversation and so I hope you enjoy. So let's just start off with like the, the basics here. Boom library, sound effects library, but from any website you look at something and think, oh, this is just, you know, maybe a few guys, but it really looks like there's a big operation here. How did it become what Boom Library is today? How, what was that, that story? Who, who started it? I think the first library, uh, Michael and I did the first library more or less together. There was a, We started originally uh, from a situation where we needed a, a lot of creature sound effects and we started with a creature sound effects library first um, and we thought we should do a package for our own usage. And then we were thinking, hey, why not sell it? <laughs> what was some of that, the early libraries that you first started off with? What was the, the first idea? Yeah, we started with the Creatures Library because we really needed a lot of uh, source material for our daily work, uh, doing uh, a lot of creature sound effects for games. And then there was uh, the German Gamescon um, before we had to finish all the creature sound effects for our own work. Um, and we had to do a lot of trailer work, so we kind of stopped with the creatures in the middle and started the cinematic metal. So that was uh, why the cinematic metal was actually our first released library. So what, what year was that? Uh, 2010. Awesome. And what did you find was like the success? I mean, how do you get your word out? Because I've seen, you know, so many people out there around the world who are doing this type of work. And it feels like it's a very competitive market now. It's not just about serving just the UK or just your, you know, uh, Australia or the the US. How did people find out about you? Uh, that's a good question. We don't know. <laughs> so we just started to release our libraries, and I think uh, designing sound is a big um, source for uh, information about sound design. And uh, they featured some articles about us, so that might be one of the biggest starters for us. To give people a sense of of designing a library, how how much of a time commitment is it? Because obviously. We just, you know, if we see the end result, we see, oh, here's, you know, 25 different you know, weapons, you know, at 96.24. And, you know, it's just like we assume that it's just as simple as setting up microphones and obviously recording, you know, an array of, of sounds. But in fact, it's not that's not the case. Give us an idea of the process that you guys go through. Uh, we calculate with about uh, four months for one guy working on it. So we are okay. mostly the two of us or some uh, additional guys that are working here. And um, it takes about two, two, three months 
together. And what what, ty- what type of work are you guys doing? I mean, is it does it come down to? I mean, well, I think there's a template that you guys have, but does it is are you trying to separate libraries, or is there kind of a you know baseline, I suppose, that you know is expected for for these libraries? Ah, oh, yeah, maybe I just pop in. Um, usually, we just think about a theme that one might be handy, and then we just start recording stuff, and. Mm-hmm. As we record, we also start designing. So we always uh, we always have the uh, construction kit and the design stuff, as you might know. So basically, we just set the theme, then we start recording, and at the same time, we start designing. Uh, so during the designing process, we figure out what works and what doesn't work, and based on that, we can figure out what still needs to be done for the construction kit. So both libraries are designed kind of similar to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I think obviously for people who don't know, they could go to your website. And well, I remember the first time I looked at the website after um, connecting with you guys and I was just completely blown away by obviously all the video content and you know these great microphone <laughs> layouts and, and setups. And Thank it you. seems, I, I think, you know, when I think of the Sowers collection, it starts off like kind of a similar way. They, these all start off as kind of just like one-off projects and they're not necessarily there's no I guess real big vision or scheme but over time I think you get to a place like where you guys are now and like there's just fantastic microphone setups and how many microphones do you guys have in your library that you're pulling from to, to you know to use uh, I don't know we how many we own actually probably mm-hmm. like 12 to 20 something <laughs> but we mostly use two <laughs> What 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 two are you mostly using? It's a MS oh, yeah. setup uh, uh, MKH eighty forty or eighty fifty, depending on what we are recording um, from Sennheiser, together with an MKH thirty figure eight microphone. What is it about these mics that you guys are always returning to? Yeah, they um, they have a pretty high max SPL, so you can use it for a lot of stuff um, and uh, high sensitivity concerning the frequency response, so they go up to 50 kilohertz. That was mm-hmm. um, pretty important for us because uh, only if you have microphones recording higher frequencies than like 20 kilohertz, uh, like normal micros- microphones, it mm-hmm. really makes sense uh, to deliver stuff in 96 kilohertz on 192 because uh, yeah. then processing and pitching and such things really make fun. So how is it that the three of you guys, and imagine the, the other folks that are part of your team, how is it that you guys all got together? What's the story? How did you, how did you first meet and, you know? Axel and I met, uh, we both work for a game and game design, game sound design and music company, Dynamedian, was founded in, I don't know, 2003, I think. 2003. So So I started one year before Axel as in-house sound designer. And uh, as we met up, uh, soon discovered uh, that so many sound libraries don't have the content we need for our daily work. And Axel just came up with the idea, hey, why not record stuff and release it uh, as our own products so we can just fill in the gaps we need for our daily work and also let other guys profit from our work. What did you find initially was kind of the I don't know, when I look at sound um, sound recordists, it's it's definitely a mixture of the technical technical background and the obviously having a creative insight to how you want to record these so that, you know because 
it's not enough just to be a recordist uh, if you're going to build a library. It seems that you also need to understand the end user. And what is you hear, like once you started releasing these libraries, what did you hear back from people? What What's most useful to them for people who don't have the time or energy to to go out and do the work that you're doing? Yeah. Um, it really depends. In the very beginning, we ask a lot of uh, guys to kind of beta test our products. So um, we, we send it out during the process of, of a production. And uh, we got a lot of feedback during, yeah, during the production uh, states. So what, yeah. what kind of feedback? Oh, yeah, but I mean, also, where are these sounds being used? Where have they you know, landed in some of the projects that you know, people are using them for? Oh, in the meanwhile, uh, kind of um, everything. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, it's uh, like a big blockbuster movies. Uh, the most uh, recent ones is like a Machete and Machete Kills again. And um, the Sin City, the next one, uh, Kill to Dame for, I think. Uh, uh, Dame for, to Kill for. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, Thor, the, the Dark World. Right. Okay. And a lot of trailers as well, uh, cinema trailers as well as TV trailers or commercials, and uh, AAA games as well as smaller games. AAA games, for example, are Wolfenstein or. I mean, when you hear your sounds out there in other in the world, can you identify them? Is there like that uniqueness? Or I really was, yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> it's really, really quite fun to watch trailers on YouTube, and suddenly you go, wow. Hold on, I know that sound. And then you just go through the library until you get it. It's really fun. <laughs> what is there about the sounds that you're getting that you think maybe make them stand apart? Because I have seen other folks who are doing this and individuals and other you know groups and everyone's doing you know typical similar types of libraries. But yeah, what's different? I think um, it depends on what we are talking about. The construction kits are more or less really um, source recordings, mm -hmm. so. That's of course a creative uh, process, but we are really creative and, and pretty free in our design uh, designed parts of the libraries. And that is a lot of, I think, style and uh, what we think or what we like, actually. So yeah. that is what you also pretty, pretty quickly note in, in productions uh, and, and uh, think, hey, that's, that's my style, so I can uh, recognize it. Well, what sounds are you are like are still on your list? Like, you have a do you have a like a uh, a bulletin board, a whiteboard in your office? Like, here are the sounds we haven't done yet. I mean, what is there? What's left? Uh, I think there's still a lot left, actually. Um, it's more guns or heavy guns like artillery and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, jets with rockets and. <laughs> And we don't things. want to spoil it too much, so... <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that, that's something which is not on our to-do list, actually. <laughs> uh, one day we want to. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, if you want to uh, really do a, a whole movie with, with one library, I think you pretty quickly can figure out what is missing in our uh, collection so far. It's when I look at a library and you, you, you ex you're kind of making predictions or, or trying to figure out you know what someone's needs might be and do you find that you can you know just with some of these um specific libraries like horses per, for um uh specifically do you find that the horses libraries is a library that's for every type of application or is it is it are you guys really narrowing it down to a specific type of horse per se or you know the type of interactions these horses might have 
with our animal libraries, we really try to f uh, to cover the whole animal or uh, what is it uh, type type of animal. Like for the okay. dogs, you have like howling and barking, but also snarling and growling and eating and stuff like that. So um, we try to to produce an animal library, and uh, what whenever you need a dog for whatever, pick our library, and uh, you will find a sound. The main reason for us to record uh, these lots of animals is that they make great uh, source stuff for for creatures, which is such a big thing for us as uh, game sound design. Like for your own personal guys' projects, not necessarily when you're building a library. What, what actually, when you are looking back on the libraries that you use, and I'm sure you dig into the material that you've used, what do you find is kind of a good base, a good uh, starting point for you guys that you know that you can kind of start building the 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 first kind of signature of a creature sound? It it depends majorly how big the creature is. <laughs> so if you have a small goblin or so, um, probably uh, dogs or... Uh, I think I mostly start with our creatures library, actually, and not with animals. Yeah. And then I, well, I beef depends. it up with animals. Yeah. No, usually I do it opposite around, yeah. So the, 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 the size of the creature, maybe I do with the creatures construction kit because it just offers these really low-end stuff. And mm -hmm. then I just try to make it sound more natural and give it a more like an, an animal touch with the creature, with the with the animal um, creature, with the animal sounds we do have. So it's a mix, always a yeah. mix of these two. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think the thing that's interesting is like most of the time you're editing sounds for to picture, and in this case for a library, there is no picture. So. Oh yeah, we, yeah, ha we have a picture create. in mind. I think so. Th that's okay. a good example for example the uh, magic library. <laughs> Uh, especially for the, for the design stuff, uh, we had in mind like uh, let's say uh, Gandalf is fighting uh, Sauron and uh, have this uh, large magical shield um, against the fire of uh, Sauron, and uh, in the Hobbit movies, and then we have the scene in our head and trying to make a sound which would fit on a um, scene which isn't there. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, right. we are. I think we are working by picture, but that picture is only in our head. Yeah, I mean, at what point do you feel like okay, we've done enough, we've covered everything we need to, or is it kind of you? Do you put limits on how big these libraries are going to get? Because uh, it seems that in the case of the Magic Library, we wrote a sound list before we started, so we just thought in thought about what what would you need to cover a game or a movie with cool uh, magic sounds. So we sorted out where well, we might need to, to cover the elements like fire, ice, water and stuff and in different sizes. And based on that, we created a sound list for the design stuff. And then we figured out if we want to design sounds in this list, what do we need? And based on that, we just started to record. And then in the end, we figured out the best recordings and these made it in the library. So we don't really know in the beginning how big is it going to get or what are we going to do. But in this particular case, we had a list that we just went through. And in the end, uh, we figured out what worked and what not. And that, that was the construction kit. And based on that, we did the design stuff. It's funny because when you say it like that, it still sounds like very simple. I'm, I'm still thinking like four months of work. You're looking at, you know, I'm just looking at the specs on this, this library, 450 sound effects. Yeah, I think it was more than four months. Four months is the goal, but we don't always reach it. So. <laughs> and in the end, there's a lot of crunching involved. So, I mean, 
yeah, how do you guys pace yourselves in terms of, I mean, it seems like, are there locations or studios or where do you go to, for these? I mean, obviously there's, you know, different environments that are ideal for different types of sounds, but where do you tend to go? Oh, we try to record as much as possible outdoors, which is kind of hard in, I think, whole Europe, if you're talking uh, southern of Denmark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a, a, the, I think, second biggest airport in, in Europe, uh, like 30 kilometers mm-hmm. from here, so that's a total mess. Um, but if possible, we try to record stuff outdoors because that's the most uh, flexible reverb, actually. So you can always okay. put a room on top, but you, yeah. And we had a recording room before uh, we moved just at the at the beginning of this year. We moved, but in our old uh, studio year, we had a recording room. And for the magic stuff, we also hired a large studio. was like, I don't know, 200, 200 square, square meters. meters. Yeah. And the guy was yeah. really cool. We we fired fireworks in the studio. The whole thing was in smoke. Was <laughs> horrible, but it worked. Oh my gosh! What do you what do you find is, I guess your approach in terms of when you are in a studio setting, my, is miking different than how it would be out in a live environment? Because you're not. Are you looking to capture the ambience of the room, or is it not as important? Yeah, and uh, for the magic stuff, we recorded with a close MS setup, and we also tried to record with two room mics, two DPAs, two Omnis, I mm-hmm. don't know the exact name. 407. To make it uh, sound a bit bigger <laughs> and to catch the room yeah. tone, yeah. So in the end, it came up with a mix. Yeah, and are you finding that when you're recording these that on the spot, you're also, there is some, dis- I mean, you might have your list, but then there's also other discoveries that you have, obviously, when you're there recording and other, other unexpected sounds come up that I'm sure end up in the library also. Yeah, yep. absolutely. absolutely. We had a session on a in a chemical laboratory for the magic as well, and we didn't really know what will happen there. <laughs> but yeah. It was quite a funny. So they burned a lot of stuff, uh, which sounded pretty weird, actually. How do you? I mean, I, and like for the magic one, or even the the guns and and some of these ones. How do you budget for? For a project like this, because it just it just seems it can get really out of, it can get really out of control. Yeah, it can. <laughs> um, we just think how much may it cost, so that we think we can live uh, from that, and then we start planning. So uh, the guns is obviously one of the most expensive thing, um, especially for us because we have to travel to the United States or somewhere where you can shoot. So that's for us. It's yeah. mostly the United States. Um, you have to rent the the guns, or we have to rent the guns because we don't have any, <laughs> and uh, you have to get a range and all that, uh, medical care and uh, insurances and all that, um, and then we think what may we or hope we uh, do, do we hope to earn with that, and that at least has to be covered by yeah the sales. But then, then on the on the other hand, um, we are using it for our own work, so it pays back through that as well. At what point did you guys find, and not getting into like sales numbers or really deep into the business of this, but at what point did you realize that oh, there is a need out there in the world that people are wanting this this level of recordings? Um, how long did it take after you initially started? Um, it. For me, it really didn't care because I wanted to do that. 
So uh, sure. no, no matter <laughs> how much I earn or, or don't. Um, but I think, yeah, The Creatures was a uh, pretty well working library for us, I think. And yeah. Cinematic Trial is one of our best-selling library, yeah. Well, yeah, what, what have you found that, you know, for someone who isn't, or maybe who's even interested in thinking, oh, I want to go out and record my own sounds, not necessarily to make a library to sell like you guys are doing, but just to record for use in any of the projects, what are some of the few tips or kind of insight that you've learned that's really important to keep in mind that, you know, maybe, you know, could help someone when they're going out to record? Pooh. I think... Um what I really learned is uh, that um, use the microphone as if it would be your ear. So don't go closer, except you really want to. Um, but then um, you should have thought about that before. And everything else, if you want to capture something, um, use it really in the distance and uh, as if it would be your ear. So that's, um, that's I think, my tip. <laughs> yeah. Another tip, maybe get the best guest gear you can afford. Even if it's pricey, it's better, and you're gonna keep it for longer. So it's gonna pay off if you pay an extra buck or two. But in the end, sure. you like it better. Also, maybe check some cables. Maybe the most overlooked part in audio recording, my in my opinion. Mm -hmm. What else? I. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree to that because that implements a little bit like um, um, you can't. Yeah, it's not not a, for me. It's not an ex excuse the equipment. So um, you are not that good because of equipment. And but of course, equipment sorry. of course helps and right. uh, gets it's, gets the last ten percent or so. Yeah. Right, it's an extension of the individual. It's a tool. It's not the end result. Right. What have you guys found that, you know, when you're building these libraries, like, oh, shoot, I wish we did this. Are there ever those moments, or at this point, is there a good template that you have in mind in terms of, uh, you know, proximities or approaches? Is it really just you're trying to serve your own personal tastes? Um, are, are there things that are, are were overlooked early on that I guess now obviously isn't the case? But I think we probably have a pretty generic kind of taste which helps us because uh, that is uh, the commercial kind of taste so we we love uh, uh, movies without too much story or that's my personal taste <laughs> at least um, and and stuff like that so uh, yeah you can you shouldn't be too um, it's probably a little bit fall but uh, too artistic so uh, don't try to make a a r real um, weird new kindish uh, thing that just don't work in, in media so it still has to be kind of commercially usable okay but of course uh, yeah. of course it has to be creative as well because um, if it is not you're just doing what everyone else did before so it's a it's a thin line are you guys finding that when you're out in the world, because I feel like people who work in in this type of world of re listening to sounds, recording sounds, you, like we never turn our ears off. We're always, look, we're always looking for the next great sound. How is that for you when you're out in the world? Like what is, what do you have in your pocket or what do you have? I, I've heard guys who like carry, you know, their, their you know, field mixers in the trunk of their car because they, they never know when they're going to find something. What is that like for you guys? 
my my girlfriend think it's horrible because she started to <laughs> to listen to everything as well and can't go around without uh, having having an ear leaning to whatever happens <laughs> um yeah i think that's uh the bad side of the profession or the interesting side however you would call it um Well, there are always times when you think, shit, why don't I have a recorder with me? Uh, I always thought about getting a handheld. Axel just purchased uh, the new Sony. I don't TCM know. TCM100. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe I grab one one day. Uh, on the one on one hand, it's really nice to have a recorder when whenever you would need one. On the other hand, it's really hard to just... Uh, let go and relax uh, so you're always tight and tense and listen and think what what the hell uh, could i record or not so it's, sometimes it's just nice to leave the work behind and just close the door and call it a day and the next day just keep from, keep on working i don't know and i think it's it's pretty important to to listen to things and think uh why did that sound pretty good or interesting without actually recording it or working on that and then rather try to reproduce it when it's it is the time so organize a real session in a good environment and uh, instead of recording something in a city when something happens because you have so much side noise um, that might work for some project but uh, definitely not for our libraries because people expect our recordings to be really clean and uh, not something which just happened outside your main door or so. <laughs> yeah, sure. So that's more important for us to, to yeah. recall uh, situations and try to, to to capture the feeling of that and reproduce it later in a, in a real session. How, how much, I guess, kind of editing or, or just re reconfiguring sounds are you able to do once you get it back to the studio and you have your recordings and... Is there much cleanup that you can do? I mean, obviously, you, you want to get rid of noise or any background that's going to mess up sounds, which I'm sure you don't necessarily have a lot of that. But how much how much kind of creativity do you have once you're back in the studio? Uh, as much as we think suits the topic of the library. <laughs> so, for yeah. for example, uh, the, for the Magic Library, we did record some things that we... Um, did record to process them to create, for example, ice cracks, right? Mm -hmm. You did that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if it suits uh, the topic, we can be creative in, uh, in that, even for the construction kits. Um, but of course, it's always the same. If you, you, The cleaner you record, the better. And if you have something like uh, for the animals, it's, it's pretty hard to get animals without birds, for example, a horse or a lion or whatever, because m most of the time it's outside and there are birds. And uh, at night they don't do much, so you can't decide to, okay, I, I record it at night because there are no birds. Um, yeah, we, we trash a lot, actually, and try to not clean too much rather than recording pretty clean okay and also some of the aspects of building this library is that metadata is a huge part of it because people are going to want to take it and then throw it into their library and make it searchable through something like SoundMiner. what have you found because there is a certain language or a kind of a protocol for metadata and organizing sounds i guess you know 
how did you guys how do you guys go about organizing these libraries once you get to the metadata stage? I think most of the time we know before um, I, we write a list like uh, Michael told about the magic library, and mm -hmm. then we already have some kind of uh, main topics which describe um, what those sounds are for, and that those are the main uh, keywords for that. And then we try to, especially for the construction kit, we really try to um, describe what happened and kind of what you might feel emotionally. And then you might search for door slam heart or something, and you should mm -hmm. find a really clashing door. So um, yes, it's a kind of a language, but mm -hmm. I think it's only experience with uh, all the sound libraries out there um, because you still have to find our stuff in between all the other libraries and all that have to, has to work and and blend in uh, together for for yeah. our clients. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, for for someone who doesn't have really much of a library, where should they uh, they start? Obviously, it's <clears throat> obviously it's it's specific to a project. But if someone's looking to, you know, just cover a basic film, or you know, doors and vehicles and atmospheres. Is there a library, like a one-fit library, in terms of how you guys structure these? Or do you think you'll, you'll always be building specific kind of themes? Um, is that spe uh, specific enough? You know? um, yeah, I think, I mean, our, our main goal, like in 25 years, we want to, to cover everything. Uh, and you just buy the complete boom library and uh, are set for all kind of movies. Um, right. But uh, as I said, like the household library is, uh, this is something um, we might do someday, but it's not on our main to-do list right now because um, yeah. that first, firstly don't really suit the, the, um, the style of the boom library or what the boom library is known for. It's more the, the epic and big and things like yeah. that. Um, and we think this is, covered more or less in kind of all bigger other libraries and there's no big need for household sounds yeah in our world right. unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> i mean you need it kind of in, in every movie yeah. but it's it's only like a blender uh, here and there or right yeah. that's the funny thing is because like people just think that oh well you don't need to no one needs to go out and record those sounds but i can imagine that at some point someone's like shoot i wish i had uh, we did some household recordings for the sci-fi, so there are some household tools oh, in okay. there. <laughs> you know, to make this a sustainable business, understanding how this works, how do you price? I mean, how do you come up with a price? I mean, I look out in the world and there's these multi-channel recordings and surround, and obviously you have, you kind of say, this is what the, the library is going to be. It's going to have, you know, maybe 570 files and 2,700 sounds, but then how do you put a price tag on on that? Because I feel like when I talk with sound designers who are, or, or sound recordists who are contacted by companies that want to buy their sounds, sometimes it's a flat rate, sometimes individually. How do you come about, you know, pricing out your libraries? Uh, I think there was kind of a shot into the blue because uh, at the beginning we had no clue either. Um, and then we just thought, what would be comparable comparable to, to other libraries out there? What would we pay for such a library? And yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the price tag. And then we thought, um, how much costs does one, one single sound effect from our libraries cost 
in in a bundle or so and it's like 20 yeah. cents something like that so it's pretty cheap yeah. actually uh it's just yeah just uh, the amount is pretty big <laughs> of, of sound yeah. effects so yeah i think that was that was our uh, that was the approach, yes, and we did, uh, of course, we did some re research, we asked some, some, some people in bulletin boards and forums and asked them, hey, these are our sounds, in the very beginning it yeah. was that way, we asked them, hey, these are our sounds, we think they're cool, how much would, uh, how much would you be willing to pay for it, and yeah, so the price tag developed uh, over the time, and um, yeah, then we have this, now we have this construction kit versus design structure, and our design library is always 99, and the construction kit is almost always 149 yeah and if yeah. a library is really really big or really extensive with a lot of sounds like the creatures library then um it's it's a bit more but this is really the exception and and just to uh jump in i just remember that you uh, started this um we asked all the beta testers in the very beginning as well what they would pay for such a product and they, those were, were guys out in the industry so not from our company um and all of them uh, named higher prices. So we thought, okay, let's lower a little bit <laughs> from there yeah. and then it should be fine. <laughs> yeah. What have you found in terms of being online, you know, w delivering files? What What is possible? How do you manage, you know, serving, you know, these libraries that can be, you know, pretty large once yeah, we had some issues in the beginning, actually. Uh, we had a server here, uh, sending in Germany, and there were some issues uh, going overseas, like to the United States or to Asia or so. Um, there were, like, breakdowns, internet connection failures, and uh, then you had to start to download everything again, which is a real mess mm -hmm. with, uh, like, yeah. 10 to 20 gigabyte packages. Um, mm -hmm. So we switched two years ago or so to a high-speed cloud service. And that yeah. works pretty good. Yes, we have a content delivery network since two years, and um, all these problems that <laughs> Axel uh, has described are gone. Yeah. So um, of course we 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 have some uh, sometimes there's an issue, but um, it's so much better than before. And um, oh, I can imagine, yeah. yeah, there are some libraries. Uh, one in particular, the Trains Surround Library, um, that is more than fifty gigabytes, and yeah, um, yeah we we don't deliver that. Uh, per download because it would be a, a pain to download 50 gigabytes so sure. we deliver this on a, a key drive okay I, I mean i think that's the great thing now where, where we're at hopefully you know with technology is that hopefully if you have an hour or two or however long you are you are able to download a library and start working with it immediately and i think that's a big factor when it comes to someone clicking and buying something and i know it's just the habits of what we're at now we want to instantly what have you found that, you know, are, are the types of clients or the types of people that are buying them? Because it doesn't seem like a, maybe at this price point, a student per se is not going to, you know, want to dive in. Or, or, or am I wrong? Are, are students and, you know, people who are getting into the industry, are, are those your customers? What's the range of people that are buying them? Do you know? No, I think uh, we, we are trying to create like professional products for professional users. So it's... Mm -hmm. It's an issue. We are not like um, trying to reach all the guys. Also, probably those who want a nice uh, ring ringtone and buy our gun library to make an AK forty seven SMS uh, <laughs> note tone or something. Um, yeah, we really try to go into the high end market more or less. Okay. 
So, yeah. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, did you guys want to say something? Yeah, and uh, in in terms of what is the typical Boomlary client, it's hard to, to tell because we also have a lot of requests from students. So we also have a, 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 have some some special prices for students that ask us, and um, but they're always, of course, from from these um, sound courses or these educational programs for sound designers. So it's nice. uh, never. Any student, as uh, Axel said, who just wants to take a sneak peek into the the business and spends a lot of money with our sound effects, it's always professional mm. people. Yeah. So I guess if you're taking maybe four months to work on a project, are you able to get more than three libraries out a year? What is what is like your goal? Like you know, knowing how long these take, you know, what, what's what's really possible. Our last goal was 10 per year, but uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> a bit ambitious, I think. Um, we do it a little bit like Blizzard. We, we release a library when we think it's good. So um, we have a release schedule, but uh, we kind of never uh, reach we never those hold the goals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this is internal only, so we don't tell anyone what our oh, internal okay. schedule is, <laughs> which is, which is uh, the good point. Um, what libraries, I mean, do you foresee possibly that you can hint at or things that you're thinking about at this point? Can you say? Yeah, there will come up some more nature uh, series libraries. Uh, this is something we don't record here. It's uh, Gordon Hampton. The um, sound record is pretty well known, I think. Um, sound tracker. The, yeah. <laughs> That's his name. Yeah. The sound tracker. <laughs> right. And um, we do... <laughs> We go a little bit more into the movie business right now, but uh, I don't want to tell too much. <laughs> okay. Also, I mean, that, that's, I think that's also kind of the fun of producing these. Is it, it is kind of a big secret because once you put it out there, you're kind of saying, hey, guys, like, we're giving you all of our goods and, you know, go use them. And in the world, I, I think, is there that kind of the, the weird relationship of you don't want to really get rid of stuff because it is so unique and... There's so much time involved, or you know, what is your relationship with your library by the time that you get to the the stage of releasing it? Uh, in the end, we are happy to let it go. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's but, just enough. <laughs> yeah, especially if you are working on 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 one single topic so long. Uh, in the end, uh, you're really looking forward to do something else. Like with the guns, okay. it was a whole lot of fun creating those. Um, Especially in the end, I did the uh, tutorials uh, for for the assault weapons library, and it was uh, quite a lot of fun. Um, but still, you are happy to to go to the next uh, topic <laughs> to move on. Yeah, yeah. Gun designing awesome. for four months can be quite yeah. in the ass. It's all the day. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that you know, I you know, different people I've come across and friends who work like even video games or you know these long titles that go for many years. It gets old real quick, and people forget that you know it's not all fun and games. It is a lot of work, and it it takes time. And I, I think that's what when I first came across when you guys reached out to me when I heard about what you were doing, I said, "Wow, this." It seems like it's more than just you know uh, an idea. There's there's a lot of thought and and attention put into it, and you know, I think it obviously shows in, in the end result. Um, you know, for people who want to find out more, obviously you have your the website boomlibrary.com, and on Facebook they can find you. What other ways can people get a hold of you guys? 
uh, Twitter and subscribing the newsletter on our website. I think okay. those are the most uh, important things. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk about this. I realize we might be on other sides of the world, but with the <laughs> internet, it's like we're in the same room. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of great community that comes out of. Um, you know, sharing and, and talking about process, and I really appreciate you guys doing that. And um, go send these guys emails and tell them what you want to hear, because I think that's ultimately what gets our ears thinking. Thank you, thank, uh, thank you very much for having us. <laughs>